Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast brought to you by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and we have an exciting week of podcasting to come. On Thursday night, Matt and I join our friends over at SportsbookReview.com. We look at some of the best bets for the European Grand Prix in a 20-minute preview show. Then, of course, on Sunday night on the live stream for our Baku GP review show that we do the night of the race, search Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube and subscribe there. If you click the little bell icon, you'll get a notification when we go live. But tonight, I'm joined again in the shed by Paddock regular Joe Saywood. Thanks for joining us again, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm not really there. I'm here, actually, but there you are. Don't ruin the illusion. Joe is in the podcasting shed. Oh, okay. Electronically, I'm in the shed, yes. So last time you were back from Monaco with a great Monacanese tan. Monacanese, I think, is the Ah, every day's a school day. This time you're rocking a bit of a wild kind of moose hunting, stubbly, rough (laughs) outdoorsman look. Well, I I just haven't shaved, really, since I got back from Canada. Um... Because I couldn't be bothered. Sometimes between races, you know, if I'm not going off to uh, um, open garden fets and all that sort of stuff, um, I don't bother to shave. Yes, definitely worth not going out in this weather. My advice to everyone is to remain indoors. But of course, you had to venture outdoors from Montreal. What was it like as an event? Um, I mean, Montreal is always a nice event. It, it's it's a bit of a disadvantage, actually, because we have a... Um, uh, a time difference of six hours. So we have to do everything six hours more quickly than in other races. So it means that the uh, the amount of time one has to um, to go off and party is somewhat limited because your deadlines are sharper. So um, th- it has upsides and downsides. We also have a, a weird situation where on the Monday, because we can't ever get out fast enough on the Sunday night, we all have to sit around Montreal the whole day on Monday going shopping, eating lunch, um, and generally being thrown out of our hotels. So um, we have a sort of strange day afterwards, and then we all get planes in the evening. Um, and 
most of the Formula One circus is able to get on the planes on on Sunday nights, but we we just can't get out fast enough. So does that feel like a genuine holiday in Montreal then? Not really, because most of us have worked quite hard on Sunday. So, uh, I mean, I generally go to bed at some unearthly hour on Monday morning, um, which, you know, probably is about sort of three or four o'clock and then get up again in time to get thrown out of the hotel. So, um, you know, we try and negotiate rates with people. But the trouble is that during the Grand Prix weekend, their hotel rates are completely insane. Um, and they try to rip everybody off. So uh, we, we don't tend to play that game. I suppose it's an advantage for people in your position then to get little sneak peeks of the F1 calendar that we'll talk about later in order to get your hotel bookings in as quickly as possible before us unwashed masses get there. I wish that was the case. I mean, <laughs> I, we've had a new calendar this week and I tried to get something yesterday and uh, I was trying to get one at the price it was being advertised at. And of course, the people aren't entirely stupid. So they they, they said, no, you can't have it at that price. Um, but you can have it at four times the price, at which point I, I used some old Anglo-Saxon expressions and that didn't happen. So it's the way it is. But, um, you know, there's there's not a huge amount of point in fighting it because you only get it for one year because they get switched on to uh, people who come in very quickly after a calendar is published. And, you know, fundamentally after the first year, they know when the date's going to be anyway. So. So I want to ask Joe, because in Monaco, you said it was a little bit restricted and they weren't able to sort of give the fun and games that they had in Barcelona. But we all saw the pictures from the boat race. It looked like a genuine good time. Uh, I think it was. I actually had gone by that point. I didn't see the boat race because I had work ah. to do. Uh, and the yeah, the press office in, in Montreal is, is a large tent. And what was happening on in the course of the weekend was a lot of wind uh of the of the climatic variety i should add uh-huh. um and the uh and the tent was flapping a lot and making lots of strange noises in the future hopefully they're going to build as a proper press office um but i find it much easier to go back to the city and work in the hotel uh, on saturday night so i did miss the boat race but i did see some pictures of it uh and i thought it was terrific i was trying to imagine bernie ecclestone being on a, a self-built raft with his crew um but you know because there was ross braun there and uh and also we had uh, Sean Bratches, who is the commercial head of the uh, of the Formula One group, both of them being captains on their boats. And it looked like terrific fun, actually. I think there should have been a media boat as well. But uh, I'm not going to volunteer year. for it because, you know, frankly, I can't be bothered to go rowing halfway down. But there's some young thrusting dudes who could probably do it. Well, you can always tell on the corporate days which directors have been kind of forced at uh, PowerPoint point, if that makes sense, to do it. And the ones who are genuinely throwing themselves into it. Well, they seem to be, certainly Ross seemed to be enjoying himself. And Bratches, it was was really funny because he looked like a bank manager with his trousers rolled up, but he seemed to be into it as well. So he seems to be, you know, pretty enthusiastic about anything new. But we're looking forward to races where they get a bit more space and can do some more of their own things. Uh, I think we'll see some of that in Austria. Um, I think we'll see some of that in Britain. Um, But we'll just have to see what develops, really. I don't think we'll see very much of it in Baku anyway. You mentioned in your blog that it was nice to see the McLaren boys having fun. Do you feel like that was, you know, genuine? Are these boys holding up? Because we've been talking all throughout the season how it's such a shame. It's obviously a talented team, but they haven't really got a chance at the moment. How do you feel they're holding up spiritually? Spiritually? Well, I think they're fine. I mean, you know, these are these are hardened individuals. So, yeah. yes, it's not easy to do it, um, to keep motivated. But, you know, racing people are racing people and they, and they battle against the odds. It's a bit like... 
if you watch Le Mans last weekend, you know, if you were in, in Porsche number two and you'd lost an hour and a half in the pits early on in the race, you weren't really considering winning it. But you just put your head down, keep going, keep going, keep going. And at the end of it, you came out as a winner. And, you know, that's sometimes that can happen. It's not going to happen with McLaren and Honda, yeah, I should I was add, say. Yeah, wildly <laughs> uh, optimistic. You know, these things, you never give up is the, is the motto. Yeah, that's right. You take the Lance Stroll approach and go gently, gently. As long as you don't go into any wheel-to-wheel combat and enough people retire, you can get that point. I think that's a little harsh. <laughs> I mean, he did fight. He did fight quite well. And he has been on occasion looking as though he might be able to do something. Yeah, I mean, he had, there, was an, there were advantages in as much as people retired. But he did a decent job. So, I mean, I think I've said before that everybody involved in Formula One as a driver nowadays is as far as i'm concerned is 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 qualified to be there i don't see anybody who really shouldn't be there you can argue the case uh, for ericsson for example or for stroll but they do have results in other championships and you know you have to base on that result and and again if you look at some of the results achieved by people who are supposed to be great heroes in other championships um you'll find that some of them have less good results than some of the people who are considered not so good Well, well, my little audience here told me to stand my ground when it comes to Ericsson with you, Joe, and not to let you bully me. I bully you? I'm not bullying you. I'm merely just saying that Ericsson's all right. (laughs) Ouch. Okay. Controversial, if true. Um, Actually, we'll skip ahead a little bit. I did want to ask you about Stroll. Um, I know it's featured in your GP Plus magazine, which is your online-only subscription magazine. Uh, I don't want you to, you know, give away all the goods now, but you had a chance to sit down and chat with Lance Stroll. Not the first time, I'm sure. But I just get an impression that although maybe the results haven't always gone his way this season, he seems to be, you know, not an arrogant diva not a prima donna doesn't seem to be upsetting anyone and it feels like the Williams team actually like him and they're behind him I think that's largely true I think that I mean you know we can't get away from the fact that he's there because there's a large sum of money that comes with him you know and we'll be deluded to try and pretend otherwise but he has he has a level of talent that is worthy of being there so therefore I think you know we can't really knock him for that um is he the best possible driver they could have got in that car? No, he's not. But that's what they did. It was, you know, as far as Williams were concerned, that was a, it was a decent um, compromise solution uh, to getting the best they could with the most money possible. So with the time schedules then, did you manage to break your record for releasing GP magazine? No, 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 no. It was, we, we were relatively leisurely. Uh, I think we had it done by about six hours, which is kind of the norm. But um, you don't want to rush too too much because otherwise you may miss things. Um, and we have had occasions in the past when we've produced magazines, and they've it's a long time ago now, but they they changed the result after the um, after the race. Um, then you have to change the result in the magazine, so that rather ruins the effect. But um, there is a policy now not to change the results after the race. Um, they do they do put add penalties in, uh, but they don't generally exclude anybody um, uh, unless there's a, obviously if there's a technical problem. But we don't, we don't seem to have many of them, so but surely that's pretty good. It's an online magazine, so surely you can just change it. Well, it's not online. No, it's it, it's a it's a downloadable ah, PDF. Excellent. And where would I get such a said? downloadable well, grandprixplus.com is always a good place to start um and if you go there you can find out the details but you you basically you you download you get sent some codes 
and you enter your codes and you enter a subscriber area and you download the magazine you want. Um, and you get all the magazines in a year. It's a bargain of the century. You get this year, I think you have 22 magazines. Um, that's one season preview, one season review, one for each race. And in fact, you also get the season review of last year as well, because we oh. were just feeling generous. But um, uh, that all costs you very little. And if you ask me how much, I'm going to forget. So there you are. It, it's it, it's very cheap anyway. It's not expensive. And we think it's a very fine product. But then again, we are totally biased. So Hey, that's, uh, that's fine. We don't mind bias on this show at all. We make no claims whatsoever to be neutral in any way. If you wouldn't mind, I have a question from Nick Luminosity871 from our Slack group. And he wants to know, Joe, he says he's mentioned it before, but have you ever been ill on one of your trips since you never miss a GP uh, it seems like then you must have a bulletproof constitution to get you through so many races (laughs) well there are two things there I do have a bulletproof constitution because over the whatever it is 37 years that I've been traveling or I think I can't remember exactly how many it's a lot anyway um, the body is exposed to all kinds of germs and, and viruses whatever and so you get very good antibodies um, and we do tend to be quite tough, the, the Formula One fraternity, because you have to be. In terms of have I been, have I ever been ill? Yes, I've been ill a few times, but not obviously. Uh, we we tend to save up our illnesses for the winter. I know that may sound silly, but psychologically you can do that. Um, I'm not going to let your body my... sort of falls apart a week after the season ends, and and you spend the whole winter sort of snuffling into a into a hanky, which is pretty horrid. Yes. Um, but I did I did once have pneumonia. And um, the doctor said that I shouldn't get on an aeroplane to go to Spain. So I went by train instead. That was all right. Um, And uh, beyond that, it's just sort of small stuff. You can survive. He says as well, he just adds that he enjoyed your anecdote very much of talking to Eddie Irvine. And do you have any more (laughs) fun stories of talking to old drivers? Perhaps Jackie Stewart. He seems to be around a lot. Yeah, well, I see Jackie quite a lot. He usually introduces me to the... uh, to his guests as the worst Formula One journalist ever. Well, sometimes he introduced me as the best Formula One journalist ever, depending on his mood. Nice. Um, and uh, everyone's sort of suitably impressed. And I, I, we, we, we have a bit of banter, you know. I say, who are you again? And things like that, you know. So, um, yeah, there's lots of old drivers kicking around. Most of them are actually working in television nowadays. They've come and stolen all the jobs from the media. Um, and, uh, you know, they just sort of wander around all weekend sort of uh, – Feeling um feeling a bit lost. Oh, poor dears. Hey. I don't feel sorry for them at all, I have to say. I'm lost on a thing and I want to ask you a question about it. So I'm going to do that now. So as you may know, we have a regular feature called Tech Time on our podcast feed here with Matthew Summerfield of Motorsport.com. And a lot of the time, we're tempted to ask him very complicated questions because we want to seem clever and well-informed. And I have to say, I feel that same urge with you, Joe, to not ask the stupid questions. But really, if I think it's a, a question worth knowing, perhaps half the audience as well thinks it's a question worth knowing. And now we hear about Ross Braun all the time. Even before he came in with Liberty Media, any problem in Formula One they would say, we'll just bring Ross Braun in. Ferrari's struggling. Bring Ross Braun in. Maybe Ross Braun's going to come back and save Williams. Well, now he's here. But what's he, what's he actually doing? So firstly, kind of, what's his role? Who is this team that he's putting together? 
And are they actually empowered to do anything? Uh, are they suitably empowered or are they just an advisory body? I think is what I'm asking. Okay. Um, Ross is in charge of all racing activities. So basically, he's not in charge of commercial activities. He's not in, in charge of strategic thinking um, in terms of, you know, which continent should, should Formula One go to. He's in charge of making sure the racing is good. And uh, he'll probably have a lot to do with the calendar as well, I think, in the future. Mm. Obviously, that's a bit of a, a commercial issue as well. But um, organizing the um, logistics for Formula One, if they want to increase, is harder and harder. So you're going to need some good people to work out how to do that. I mean, one of the biggest problems is that all these teams have these vast ridiculous motorhomes which aren't really necessary um and it, it it just takes a huge number of trucks to move things around now um there may be better ways of doing that so ross's people will look at that ross's people uh, will also look at how to make cars um easier for overtaking one of the things they've done recently is they bought the wind tunnel model from the old manor ah. team which was up for sale because they were selling off all the assets uh, they bought that and they bought some model making equipment and they can now go and take a model into wind tunnels and they can test theories and see if it works or not. So they can find out if, for example, you know, you can make overtaking easier by doing X and Y. And um, one of the biggest problems that the sport has had is that you've got all the teams working frantically at speeding up the cars and the FIA working frantically trying to speed them down. Um, and, the FIA has never had any resources to do it because it's all spent on road safety or whatever. And uh, so basically what Ross is doing is using some of the commercial money to to solve some of the problems that the FIA would be solving um, if it had the money to do so. So Zach in the chat room, oh, Zach in the shed, sorry, we christened it on Sunday. Is the manor model sale confirmed or just a rumor? No, no, it's confirmed. Ah. Well, there you go. It was confirmed. They've got the model. Uh, they've got some, I think they've also got a bit of uh, data. Um, and I think they've, they've certainly got the model making equipment. So, yeah, that's all confirmed. Great. And he's got a good team around him, has he? It's not just Well, he's getting own. a better and better team. He's got a couple of, I mean, the, the problem he has is he can't go out and just nick people off teams. That wouldn't be considered cricket uh, in Formula One world. So he's got to wait for them to be free. Now, there are some teams uh, which have been changing their technical staff. So a lot of the Williams guys, for example, their chief aerodynamicist, their vehicle dynamics guy, they've both joined Ross. They've worked with him before. Their, their sporting director has joined Ross as well. I, I believe that uh, one or two of the Manor boys will be there too, oh, shortly, that's good. including, um, I think, Nick Tombasis, who used to be chief designer at Ferrari. I think he's a Ross Braun uh, protégé at some point in his career, and I think he'll probably be joining Ross's team in London as well. Well, that's interesting to hear. So this is a team that is genuinely empowered to make racing decisions about Formula One. And do you rate their chances of success? Because it feels like we're always talking about how to improve overtaking, and it never quite happens. Well, I think if you've got Formula One engineers trying to solve Formula One problems, you've got a better start than... Um, having just a bunch of bureaucrats trying to guess what to do. I mean, that's not entirely fair because the FIA has had one or two very good engineers working there over time. And and it's not just pure guesswork. I mean, they have, they have some good um, high level engineers there. The, the engineers just don't have the budget to do things. 
So do you, do you think he can change things in the future on the scale of like making it easier for teams to come in? Now, you may yell at me, but I was always a big fan of, you know, customer teams and making it very, very easy for teams to come in and at least, you know, be competitive. Uh, is this something that Ross is going to change? Like, could uh, could Cosworth suddenly be able to jump in with the changes he's going to make? Well, there's, there's about three questions in that one. Um, Answer all of them, one, Joe. The first one is that customer teams are not a good idea. People think it's a good idea. It's true. You can have a cheap and easy grid packed full of cars. But what you're really doing is undermining the infrastructure of the whole of the sport. Because, you know, if you're a Mercedes customer car running team, you will be pushing other teams down the order, forcing them to go become customer teams rather than build their own chassis. And therefore, you're undermining the fundamental uh, structure of Formula One, which is to have 10 cars being built by different teams. If you have that and it remains pretty solid, it's much better than just having the cheap, easy way out. So, um, and it's not fair either. If you've, if you've invested a huge amount of money in, in being a car manufacturer in Formula One, a bunch of people come along and use customer cars at half the price. And that's not right. Your, your investment is being destroyed by people who haven't made the same investment as you. Well, Joshua Clare is saying in the shed that there should be 26 cars on the grid, no more, no less. What's your viewpoint? Do you prefer a more packed grid, like customer cars aside, if we could get more genuine teams in, would you condone that? I think the the, the, the rules allow for 26 cars, 13 teams. But there are other questions to be taken into account in this. First of all, you've got to move everybody around the world. You've got to find the money to do it. You've got to find 13 people willing to run Formula One teams. Um, but you've also, it puts a pressure on the promoters, for example, because some places don't have enough garages for 13 teams. So they've, they've got, they're already being screwed by everybody left, right and center. And the public are complaining about the ticket prices. And if they have to build another six garages, it's a problem for them. So there's, there's you know, is there a difference between 26 cars and 20 cars to be quite honest the guys at the back do they make any difference do you ever see any of these people no on on the telecast do you how often do you see Sauber apart from when they're being lapped at the moment you know is it really any different and the answer is not really no if it goes beyond you know down below 20 i agree it, it, it's not enough but i don't think 20 is a problem and i think that um the other thing is that you know the rules allow for only the top 10 teams to get money and that's just ridiculously unfair because if you're the 11th team, you are completely screwed. You have no money and you're competing against guys with lots of money. So, you know, you've got to look at the whole thing as a, I hate the word completely, I hate it, holistic. Ugh. But you do have to look at the, the whole thing and just say, well, what's best for the sport? Well, if you use that term for medicine, then you and I will fall out. But the shed is asking if there's a loophole to be had here. If I'm a Riva Bene, do I stand to benefit from having one of my top engineers working with the FIA for one or two seasons? And then someone else cheekily adds in, just like Ferrari did with Haas. Well, there have been lots of examples over the years where one team has hired somebody, he stayed for two years and gone back. Now, why were they doing that? Were they going there to get specific information? Were they were they spies in the camp? You know, this is motor racing. This is Formula One. Every dirty trick in the book has been tried and will be tried. So that's just you accept it and get on with it. You know, you can't mistrust everybody. You've got to you've got to take some people at face value. 
Yep. Shred often, kids. Shred often. But what about the rumours about a supposed new team? Are we? Can we get excited? Can we no, make... you can't Come get on. excited about... Because, first of all, it's an incredibly lengthy process to get an entry. You have to guarantee $20 million to the FIA. Wow. You have to come up with a business plan that is workable and accepted by the FIA before they grant you anything. You can't hire anybody before you've got an entry because what's the point? Therefore, and you can't you can't buy everything off other teams. So you've got to have a pile of money and a load of time to set up a team. And it doesn't make any sense right now because we're going into a period when things are going to change. So the commercial structures will probably change and, and the and the technical regulations will probably change. So why in the world would you start a new team now? Now, why are there rumors saying that this is happening? The yes. answer is that um, there's an engineer wandering around asking people in other teams if they might be available to do something in britain now oh can i guess who what that it is? might be can i guess and, well you can try guessing oh. i would say that possibly it might be have something to do with it's not going to be ferrari they've already tried setting up english offshoots twice and they've closed them down twice so that's not going to be them it's not going to be toro rosso because they've already got an english offshoot where they do most of their research and development so if i was a if i was a guessing man i would say that sauber which has new owners and more ambition is probably looking at setting up some kind of british operation because they have great difficulty hiring people to go to work in switzerland um it's difficult to do anyway, but I mean, you have to go to a country where they speak Swiss German. Your kids have to go to different yes. schools. The whole thing's a mess. So fundamentally, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of idea that this might be something they'd be looking at. Now, is it? I don't know. Are they going to tell me? Of course, they're not going to tell me. But, you know, there has to be some explanation for it because the rest of it makes no sense at all. Okay, if you definitely know, you can wink at the camera. We won't tell the audio listeners. There we go. Happy days. Look, there's some big, dirty news this week. You broke it. Uh, well, I wouldn't say you broke it, but you definitely had it on your blog. So let's explore that. Big, dirty news. Everyone, including me, is very excited to book their holidays for next year's Formula One calendar. And it is a bit different this year. There's a triple header, for example, in the European leg. There's 17 races in July. And I think the biggest change... Hang on, hang on. 17 races in July? There's only four weekends in July. Well, I lost count. (laughs) I was counting them. And I thought, oh my God, how many have they got here? They've got a lot of races in July. What I've learned this week is it's desirable for a Grand Prix to have a race in July. Um, yes and no. I mean, it, 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 it's, a, it's a section of the championship that is given over to Europe. Um, and traditionally, that's been a time when the British Grand Prix happened, the French Grand Prix happened, the German Grand Prix happened. Now, the problem they have this year is that the French and German Grand Prix have both come back at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, you, you can't fit five races into four weekends. Um, no matter how hard you try. And there are other restrictions as well. One of them is that the World Cup final is happening on July the 15th, 2018. And that will be broadcast at 6 p.m. Moscow time, which is 3 p.m. English time and 4 p.m. European time, which is disastrous for a Grand Prix. You don't want it to happen. Therefore, they've just said, right, July 15, we're not going to have a race. So you then have a situation where you can have... um, 
double headers on either side. So the 1st and the 8th of July, and then the 22nd and the 29th. You're not allowed to have races in August because there is a contracted summer break, which is necessary, oh. I think, Yes. for Formula One people to recharge their batteries. I, I think that Liberty Media might be trying to change that in the future. But, you know, if you're going to drive away everybody who works in Formula One, you take away their holiday because, you know, we don't get to see families much and the summer holidays is a good time to do it. So... Um, you don't want to mess with that. The problem they also have is that certain races have certain dates set in stone. For example, Monaco has a date set. They can't move it. It is contracted. Canada has a date that is contracted. The FIA wants Le Mans to be on a weekend by itself, so they can't put a Grand Prix on that weekend. So you have a, you have a lot of reasons why things can't move. The Australian Grand Prix has a, has a contract to be the first race of the year and also to be on one of two weekends at the end of March. That means you can't use the beginning of March, which you should if you want to expand the calendar, move to the beginning of March. It's logical. That's but you can't because of contracts that are in place left over from Bernie Ecclestone. Uh-huh. I was going to say that's quite a big... That's quite a big thing to have over Bernie Eccleston. Does he have like some incriminating photographs? Well, they or something? pay large sums of money uh -huh. to get these rights. Abu Dhabi has the last race of the year. They paid a lot of money to get it. Um, Vladimir Putin doesn't want to have the race on his birthday oh. because he's paid so much money. Um, I mean, they wanted to move it to September um, and they have moved it back. But uh, his birthday is on October the 8th and they couldn't do it then. So they've put it into, I can't remember where they've actually put it, but basically it's avoiding that weekend of his birthday. The Chinese didn't want to have a race on Easter Day for some reason or some Chinese festival. So it's a real problem writing, you know, writing calendars is a big problem because there's only so many things you can do in a year. Well, there's been a big step change. I think for me, avoiding the other major sporting events has been kind of one of the more open-eyed things they've done. And I think it's going to be a very popular move. JBJ1138 in the shed. Wow, that's a good username. How did you bag that one? Thought that'd be gone by now. Said, why do they avoid a football game but book an F1 race the same day as the 24-hour of Le Mans? But obviously, they are avoiding that. Is that a deliberate move to allow drivers to compete in that event? I don't know if it's to allow drivers to compete, but it's certainly a sensible to avoid it. I mean, they've avoided it this year and last year. Uh, I think in in 2015, uh, there was a clash. Um, or am I getting that wrong? I can't, anyway, Hulkenberg was able to win the race. I think that was yes. in 15, wasn't it? Yeah. So we've avoided it for a few years. Um, that's because the FIA want it, because the Automobile Club de West is an important club and they wanted it to be you know, their super-duper race. But... You can't avoid everything. And on, on the other hand, you have a situation which can be quite useful, like Monaco, when it's the same day as the Indianapolis 500 and NASCAR's second biggest race, which is the Coca-Cola 600. They're all on the same day. But the time zones are different. So you can just sit there in America. You can just sit there all day watching motor. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Racing and drinking beer and, and eating chips or whatever they do over there, you know. So, you know, you can actually add to your audience by having things on the same day. Um, and it's, you know, it's very difficult to avoid everything. Um, but if you look at IndyCar, for example, their championship stops in September because if you have a race at the beginning of the NFL football season, your your viewership goes down something like 30%. Yeah, and, Li- and, and Liberty is a, a media company and they seem to be a lot more savvy to these kind of things. <clears throat> yeah, I think they, they, they just realize that you've, you know, you want to fit as many in as you can, um, but you, you have to, you have to, uh, work around as much as possible. Now, I think in the future, when some of these contracts run out, we will see changes. But, but you know, why in the world are we not starting at the beginning of March, not the end of March? For example, you know, you can you can fit more in. Why are we having five standalone flyaways? In other words, we fly to Australia and then come back home again because. There's nowhere else to go to. It doesn't make any sense. Canada as well. You should really, on the way home, stop in Singapore or stop in somewhere and do two races for the price of one, if you like. Um, Next year, I think we've got Bahrain and China back-to-back. That's fine. That's good. But Canada's on its own. Uh, Brazil, I think, is on its own. I noticed there are five on their own. Yeah, I think And, And they just don't make sense. Have two together. They don't have to be right next door to each other. If they're a 1,000 miles apart, that's enough. You know, but the triple header is going to be a complete zoo um, because moving all these pantechnicans around Europe on two consecutive weekends is going to be an absolute killer. Well, you say, you know, perhaps they're inconveniencing the likes of you journalists who have to follow them around the world, but they've gone to the trouble of putting one on your doorstep, haven't they, Joe? Well, not really. No, I live I live as far from uh, Paul Ricard as I live from Barcelona, if the truth be told. There's no pleasing uh, you then. The nearest, the nearest, my, my, my closest home race would be Spa. Ah. Or the Nürburgring. I can get to them more easy than I can get to Paul Ricard. And would so, you be up for a Spa night race, as the shed is suggesting? Well, I think the shed's gone bonkers because in yeah. order to have a night race, you have to have lights. And Spa is a very long circuit and lights cost an enormous amount of money. And if they charge an enormous amount of money, somebody's going to have to pay for it. And those people are going to pay for it will be the fans. So do you want to pay a load more for your tickets to go to Spa? Answer, you don't. You so. idiots, chat room. You've made a fool of me in front of Joe Saywood. <laughs> I hate you guys now. No, you haven't. But you just have to be a little bit... You just have to think things through a little bit. And a lot of a lot of people have what they think are great ideas, but they haven't thought them through. So there's nothing wrong with that. 
um, it, it shows a, a level of enthusiasm, which is delightful. Would you mind uh, a bit of journalistic advice for someone in our chat room? Actually going to be there, thrusting a mic in people's faces. Uh, Darren going to the Goodwood Festival. Hi, Joe. You're used to being around the paddock, and I'm off to Goodwood at the end of the month. Are drivers generally happy to be doorstepped for sound bites, etc.? And he's even cheekily suggesting trying to get someone to do the old, Hi, I'm someone famous, and you're listening to Missed Apex Podcast. Uh, I don't know. I mean... I, uh... To be quite honest, I don't know how they operate at, at Goodwood because I've never been because it's always yeah. it's always between races and it's a weekend off. So um, I don't know how they operate. I'm told it's much more liberally minded than elsewhere. Um, but, you know, in, in Formula One, it's very regimented. But everything in the media is regimented nowadays, you know. Um, wars are regimented. You've got to go and sign on, get your pass. You're not allowed to go off and just sort of do the war by yourself. You have to go in embedded with troops and all this sort of rubbish. And they have press conferences at sort of three in the afternoon saying, well, yes, we blew up this today. So, you know, everything has become much more regimented throughout all sport um, and throughout all activities, just the way it is. Uh, whether that's right or wrong is another matter. But my my uh, advice to all young journalists is just go do it and see what happens. And if you doorstop somebody, you doorstop somebody. Why not? There you go, Darren. Just go for it. Although we must point out that Lakes Boy, he isn't that young. Uh, let's have a look at the chat room. They say, I think I just got roasted by Joe Sayward. My proudest moment. Uh, JB also <laughs> saying, you do not need our help to look stupid, Spanners. Wow, thanks. Glad I have you guys about. I've got a question via email from Ray Vion. How many races does Joe think is the maximum? At what point does driver team fatigue become a demolishing asset? And also for you, for you journalists, like what would be too much for you? Well, that's a, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think the drivers are the ones who suffer the most. In fact, I think they're the ones who suffer the least. They fair. get to go racing. I, I, yeah, you get to go racing. They have a good time. They get paid more money. You know, uh, the people who really work hard are the are the uh, are the teams, particularly the logistics people. What they do is insane. And you know, the drivers sort of swan in and and do the necessary. The journalists swan in and do the necessary too. You know, um, but it's it is hard going, um, and you're away from home a lot, uh, and it is something that you know some of the drivers have fairly short careers too i mm -hmm. mean you know when you've been doing it for 30 years there aren't any drivers who've done it for as long as i've done it and um you know not even close rubens barrichello's a new boy as far as i'm concerned and he only did 300 and something grand prix you know so that's the way it is um there is also sort of cumul cumulative long-term uh damage it's just the way you live really you know but the answer is, if they come up with a calendar that works better, you can go away for yes. eight days and do two races. And if you can do that, there's nothing wrong with having 25 races. Uh, that's more earning opportunity if you earn by the race. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just sensible use of the time. What we do right now is just bonkers because we go off for eight days and do one race. Um, and it doesn't make any sense. So. Um, and that's flying around the world too. We're taking all the we're taking all the damage, time zone damage, just for one race, and it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. So I think they have to work on the calendar. They know they have to work on the calendar, and they know it's the only way of doing it. The other thing that Formula One needs to do is to downsize on its ridiculous motorhomes. I mean, they're all very impressive, but they why are. can't you just build them at the racetracks and have them there permanently? So you just go in and you plug everything in, 
you can you can paint the walls if you want to you can have your special kind of stoves that you want you can have your special furniture if you want it but just get them set up in advance go there once a year and it makes sense i mean it doesn't make any sense what they do now that is a classic logistics mathematics problem there is it cheaper to drag them around the world or to build permanent facilities i'm sure someone's done the maths I'm sure they have done the maths, but um, the thing is that it's a question of who pays for the permanent facilities, isn't it? Uh, Because the teams don't want to pay for those. They think that's the job of the promoter. So if they were smart, they'd all get together and build something permanently and they could do whatever they like with it. You know, they can lay on Dennis's fancy tiles that glisten in the sunlight uh, from certain angles only, you know, this kind of stuff. But um, just just do something sensible. And, And designing pit garages... You know, it's not just a box with a front and a back on it. You can actually do things quite cleverly nowadays. You can actually have galleries above at different levels so that you can have throughput of spectators. Paddock club guests can go and look into things that are happening without getting in the way. Do you get invited to the motorhomes, Joe? Because Paul Wright is asking the McLaren motorhome is supposed to be a nightmare. Uh, in respect to what? The McLaren motorhome is lovely. Oh, well, there you go then. It's- it's lovely and it's wonderful. It has fantastic staff, one of my favorite staff. Um, they have three stories. You're, you are invited sometimes to the middle story where the management have their offices and do things. The top story, which is for VIPs and events, we sometimes are up there. Downstairs is generally just for sort of general uh, toing and froing. So um, some of them I don't go to very often. It depends on the on the. Um, uh, situation with the team. Ooh, um, it sounds like there's some dirt to be had there. Sometimes I say things that teams don't like. You know? oh, well, we're going to have to uh, gain your trust, Joe, to see if we can find out which are your favourites uh, over the course of this season. Uh, the chat room there is actually obsessed with night races. They don't see why Monaco couldn't have a night race. Some of them are idiotically <laughs> suggesting we add headlamps, and why not? Uh, it feels like you're trolling me now, guys. Uh, Spanners ready. Greatest F1 podcast produced from a shed in the world. Yeah, that could possibly be true. But if you don't mind, Joe, I want to bug you about the driver market. I know your readers love those bumpers, Joe. That's why I keep them rolling. Okay, so the driver market is starting to kick off. It feels like it's been silly season all season. If you don't mind, people are really curious about what is going to happen to Fernando Alonso. He, of course, made the comment, if we don't start winning by September, then I'm going to move on. And then Zach Brown is talking about if we don't get results by September, then we're going to you know, divorce from Honda. But obviously, we get the feeling that these decisions must kind of already be known because surely you can't change your engine manufacturer in September. So Alonso must be already getting whispers about what's oh, no, happening no, you to can. that car. You can. you can change your engine manufacturer in September if you want to. You won't get world championship points in the constructors championship, but you will get the commercial value. So you can do it if you want to. And they could do it. Uh, however, if they're going to do it, they need to start work on it now. Maybe they already have, but it's very clear that the relationship between McLaren and Honda is not a happy one. It's not going to get any less unhappy. Um, I think they've gone through all the permutations of trying to live together, and I think they've realized they're not made for one another. So I think we are going to see at some point soon a bust up there. Obviously, they'll try and do it as nicely as possible. And the only possible option is to go to Mercedes engines. So we'll see. If they get Mercedes engines in September, 
there is a potential for them to suddenly leap forward on the grid. Now, will that happen? We don't know. Will that be enough to keep Fernando Alonso? Maybe, but are they going to pay Fernando Alonso the same amount of money when they don't have as much money in the kitty because the Honda money will stop? So Fernando might have to take a pay cut, which I'm sure he won't be happy to do because nobody likes taking pay cuts. Not that he needs the money, I should add. but There's um, pride to be had. It's a possibility. Basically, if he doesn't stay at McLaren, he's got nowhere to go. And uh, it's as simple as that. <clears throat> Nobody else, they, they might rate him as a driver, but they don't want him because he's a disruptive influence. He's been at Ooh. Ferrari and messed it up. Uh, he's Mercedes, they don't want to know about him. Because of Lewis. Uh, Red Bull have got their own people. So he's got nowhere to go. Uh, Renault, maybe, but they can't really afford him either. So. Um, he can go off to America and try and win the Indy 500. Um, he could join a, a world sports car team, but I think he'd probably fall asleep in the middle of a stint. Um, and we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, I might have uh, slightly misunderstood. Sorry, I might have slightly misconstrued what I was trying to say, which is the decision to what to do next season is probably being uh, already made. But you, you make a great point between the relationship between McLaren and Honda. I mean, they've moved in together to save the relationship. They've got a dog. And now it's really just what's going to happen, you know, with the kid. What's going to happen to little Fernando? You say he's got nowhere to go. Is Renault really not an option then? Well, if you want the kind of money that Fernando's used to having, yes, it is not an option. Mm. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it's it's a huge pile of money that he wants. Uh, now, he may be worth that money, but... Uh, is the team ready for him? Um, and is he the right person? Because when you're team building, you don't necessarily want a divisive person in there. you know. Oh. And Fernando has a, has a record of being rather divisive. So I, I think that that's, I mean, I think they'd like to have him if they could, because he used to be there before and he's had some successes there and, and one or two controversies as well. Over the, It's the same basic team, Endstone team. It was the original Renault team and was the Lotus team for a while. So, you know, uh, he could go back there, I suppose, if he was willing to take a pay cut. But is he, you know, he's he's now at the sort of twilight of his Formula One career. Does he really want to take a pay cut just to stay on and to be in a team that w- may not be in a position to win? Would not be better for him to go off and try and win the Indy Championship, which is, you know, he proved that he can be pretty competitive quite quickly. Um, you know, he's seen Mark Webber go off to sports cars and win there. So, um, and they're and they're quite matey those two. So it could well be that he'll just say, "Oh, to hell with this! I can get well paid and win races, doing something else." Um, they won't pay him as much, obviously, but you know that's the way it is. I think the key issue in the driver market's got nothing to do with Fernando. Actually, the key issue is whether Kimi Raikkonen stays. Interesting, because now here's some shuffles. I've heard some terrible rumours that you can yell at me for. I've heard the rumour that if Vettel doesn't win with Ferrari, he's off to Mercedes definitely. <laughs> well, I doubt it. Um, why would they do that? Uh, what's going to happen to Lewis Hamilton? So, so do you get that genuine feeling then from Mercedes? They are tainted by the Rosberg-Hamilton uh, teammate dynamic. No, and they I just don't. Kind of want I, just think, I think that what they have now is Lewis, Lewis in a good place and Valtteri in a good place. Uh, you know, Valtteri's pretty quick. Why would you disrupt it? Why would you bring in elements to it that could be disruptive and, and Vettel would be a disruptive influence there. Well, yeah, he's he would, also yeah. he's also at Ferrari. He's winning the championship. Why would you leave? No, absolutely right. So it's it's that number However, two slot. If you're Kimi Raikkonen and driving around in fourth place, trolling along, 
why would you not be asked to leave? Well, because you're no threat. Now, wouldn't it be wiser? Because Vettel's coming up to 30 now. Um, wouldn't it be wiser for Ari to go, mm, let's get someone for the future, shall we? Who's the best driver out there of a younger generation? Ooh, Max Verstappen. Is he available? It looks like he could be because the Red Bull's been breaking down. And if he finishes lower than fifth in the championship, there might or might not be a clause, depending on who you believe, that he can leave Red Bull. I believe there is a clause, Joe. That's what I choose to believe. But that's not well, really Ferrari's... That's what I believe. And he can leave if he's below fifth place. Right now, he's sixth. I talked over you then, Joe, but you were saying you believe there probably is a clause and he is currently in sixth place, which would invoke that clause. Uh, but that's not really Ferrari's MO, is it? They they don't tend to bring in Why the young, not? dynamic... They took but... Sebastian Vettel away from Red Bull. Oh, I suppose so, but he was an established four-time world champion by then. And Max Verstappen isn't a, isn't a, a future champion? You can have a Hulkenberg, you can have a Perez, you can have a Grosjean. There's a whole bunch of people you could have, but if you're looking to the future, why would you not go for somebody young and clearly very talented? You could go for Dan Ricciardo if he happens to be sixth. Um, you go for Max Verstappen. If I, I would go for Max Verstappen simply because... Uh, he's got. He's just got the look of a real ace. Can you just see? Just as it? if I were Mercedes Benz, I wouldn't go shopping around buying in expensive Vettels. I just, if you're going to get rid of one of the others, you just get hold of Esteban Ocon and promote him. Look what he's done to Sergio Perez's mm -hmm. head. Yeah. Can you imagine a situation where we get a race to the bottom between the Red Bull drivers not wanting to finish above a certain championship position? I could see that happening. Yeah. Sebastian Vettel did terribly in one season, didn't he? Just before he left. Oh, mind blown! Hang on, let me put my tinfoil hat on. Oh, this is brilliant. This is why I absolutely love having you on here, Joe. Uh, the chat room there is telling me, yeah, shut up, just let Joe talk. Fine, fine, <laughs> I listen, I'll listen to you. Um, look, there's a lot of other driver shuffles in the works as well. I think people seem pretty convinced that Jolian Palmer's days are numbered, that it's if, not when. And I have to say, the the comments from the team principal they've all but called him a taxi very, very publicly. And that makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Well, they, they pay taxi drivers, so he's not a taxi, is he? Because he's paying them. Yeah, he's um, it, It's slightly different. But I think that it's fair to say that Jolian has had a disappointing season, in part because he hasn't delivered the goods himself, and in part because the car has broken down a fair amount for him. He's been unlucky. So um, can they get rid of him? Maybe they will. Who's going to be better than him? Good question. Is Sirotkin going to be better? He's probably got some money. Uh, they probably would like to try him out. It might be a good way of actually getting rid of him if he's not good enough. You know, you don't want guys on your books. Yeah. Um, you give them a chance, let them screw themselves. I don't know. We'll have to see. But they're not going to put Robert Kubica in there. Oh, so all you've the dreamers out everyone's there, dreams. All the dreamers out there need to just sort of back off and, and just you know, forget that Snow White was a was a fairy tale and Robert Kubitz's comeback would be a fairy tale. So why fairy did they don't why did they have him in that test then just because of the previous relationship? Nice. Yeah. They were just being nice. And because he was he was a member of the team when he went on and he wanted to do it and yeah, he's done a he did a very decent job for them and but are they really going to put him into race? No. No. But he says he can drive without limitations. Why are you yes, ruining yes, this? Yes, yes, yes. And, and so do half the other drivers in the world, don't yeah. they? You know, I could be. I could have been a contender. That's sort of Rocky's line, isn't it? You know, I could have been a contender. If someone hadn't punched me in the head, and maybe not a contender. Chat you know? room, don't boo Joe. Joe is a guest here. Okay, Joe is a guest. 
Uh, but look, um, I'm wondering... Are they, getting, are they getting shirty, are they? <laughs> <laughs> they just they just love Robert Kubitz. And I think the story would have so been do I, a fantastic But the fact one. is you can't, you can't be romantic about these things. You just have to accept. He had his chance. He had an accident. It was his fault. And getting back in is something that might be a fairy tale, but I just don't see it happening. Okay. Just going back to Palmer very briefly... The relationship may have been tainted early in the season. Do you do you get any hint that you know his comments after he he put it in the wall in Australia, for example, and the team rebuilt the car, and then he sort of complained very publicly about the pace having disappeared from it. You know, after they'd spent all night building the car, do you sort of get this feeling that maybe you know, I mean, you can do little subtle things without deliberately doing it to favour one driver over another? I don't think so. I think that. Um you have to bear in mind that I'd have to look at the timings involved, but I'm pretty sure that uh, he was put in there at a point when Frederick Vesser was still there and Frederick Vesser's left now. Um, you know, and Fred Fred was a good judge of drivers. I don't know. Uh, in the perfect world, Fred would have had different drivers um, because he's always rated Hulkenberg. He's always rated... Grosjean, he's always he's, he's always rated Bottas, and he's always rated uh, Stoffel Van Dorn. Um, uh, but they weren't all available, so you know he did he he got what he could get, um, and maybe the 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 money that came in behind Jolian was sufficient to um, swing the balance in his favour. I mean, he is he was a GP two champion. You can't take that away from him, um, but. Not all the GP2 champions make it in Formula 1. Joe, thank you very much for joining us. I think we should point everybody to joesayward.wordpress.com, which is where you do your regular blogs. You did a great piece there on the provisional calendar, uh, talking about how to fix Sauber. I do love your notebooks that you do after each Grand Prix. They're actually very long. You know, that's a that's a proper coffee break style blog there uh, you got a lot well, to it's say it's just a normal size article i know that people can't do more than a thousand words these days but you know <laughs> get with it that's what you have to do it's a long read sorry it's not a phone book no but it's good <laughs> it gives you a real sense of what it was like to be there and that's always the main thing i want to talk to you about uh, also there that is also where you can get details of gp plus magazine uh what have you got recently yeah second guessing the car companies i mean the business side of formula one and the politics of formula one is really where people go ah i need to find out what joe's saying well actually the best place to i mean a bit of a plug going on here but i do a business newsletter which costs a lot more money uh, which you can find <laughs> on that website too and i i had most of the calendar right a couple of weeks ago when i published an article about that but not a lot of people read that one. It's designed for the industry. But, you know, if you want to know what's really going on, that's the one to have. Yeah. See, do we make that move to being, you know, informed industry people or do we stick with our wild speculation? It's a hard choice for a podcast to make. Not really. I mean, let's face it. When you go down the pub and you want to be the expert, you want the best information, don't you? So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, that's why I bring you on. That's why I bring Matt Trumpet. <laughs> that's why I bring uh, Summers on, Chris Stevens. Uh, so I can just regurgitate the things you say and sound smart in front of my boss, who happens to be a Formula One fan. It does me no disservice whatsoever. Joe, would you mind, as we're coming towards the end of our time, some wild speculation about the European Grand Prix. I know that you are a man of facts and logic, but we here <laughs> like to guess pathetically. Okay, I've got some bad news for you. What? It's not the European Grand Prix. Wasn't it? 
It's the Grand Prix of Azerbaijan this year. It was European Grand Prix last year. Why did they change it? Now I look a fool again. Damn it. Well, <laughs> they changed it because everyone went, well, Azerbaijan's not in Europe. <laughs> so We just got used to it, though. Well, you got used to it. I mean, I thought the whole thing was ridiculous from start to finish, to be honest. There is a very small part of Azerbaijan which is deemed to be in Europe, and the racetrack's not in it. So... You know, what on earth they were trying to do. I know they had the Eurovision Song Contest and they had this and that. And they're trying to be European because they want to be aligned so they can supply fuel to European countries. But, you know, let's get with the program here. It ain't Europe. Um, well, that, so they've gone They've gone back to Azerbaijan on the basis they're going to try and sell that to people as a tourist destination. Well, good luck to them. Well, yes. I mean, the surprise here is that they saw common sense in the end, I suppose. Um, but do you have any wild speculation for the race? Because Lewis Hamilton had an absolute shocker last year. And I mean, on this show, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty neutral on Lewis Hamilton. Take him or leave him, you know, you know, whatever. Hashtag 44. Uh, are you a, a Lewis Hamilton fan yourself, Joe? I really should have vetted this before you came on. I think he's, uh, I think he's an extremely talented racing driver. He's remarkable in that respect. He's okay. not the most technical driver. But he's pretty good. Um, I think that right now he has the same kind of level of performance as Vettel on a good weekend. And Vettel on a bad weekend, Lewis beats him. So the two of them are very well matched with the cars they're given. Who's the better driver? I can't answer that question. Incorrect. But it's Lewis Hamilton. I think I think that Lewis is... is um, I know it's the endless argument. Who's the best driver at any given time? Is it Alonso? Is it Hamilton? Is it... Vettel, is it somebody else? And you can't answer it unless you put them head to head. And even then, you can only answer it at that time. You know, comparing drivers is just a very tough thing to do. You know, we'll see. Lewis is, Lewis is in his prime and he's doing very well. Uh, his head's in the right place. Uh, he has ba occasional bad weekends, but he seems to be able to soak them up now. And uh, we'll see. I don't know who's going to get ahead. Heartbreak Ridge, Spanners wrong as usual. Uh, Baha is saying it's really good to have writers like Joe who give different perspectives, those we are rarely privileged to. Mr. Claire says nobody can make the best of a bad situation like Lewis Hamilton. But he didn't make the best of a bad situation in Baku. I'm willing to give him a little bit of grace because it, it seemed like it was a bit situational with that electronic fault. But there's absolutely no doubt he had a shocker in qualifying even though he dominated the practices. Uh, do, you, do you back him? Do you back him to do well this weekend? I think it would be remarkable if he didn't do well because he's a great driver in a great car. Now, will he do as well as Vettel? Will he do as well as Bottas? We don't know. He'll probably do as well as Kimi. I think that's fair to say. So where would you point people? Where's the absolute number one place you want people to go to find you on the internet? Well, Joe Blogs F1, obviously with one G, is where to start, but that's the same as josaywood.wordpress.com. Uh, so um, that's where you can find out what I'm doing, and then you can see all the other things I do. Um, but uh, that's the place to go, and uh, I shall write something on there if I'm not traveling. I don't generally write during the race weekend because I'm busy earning money, and blogs don't earn money. So you have to sometimes be a little patient to get the good stuff, but the notebook will appear, the green notebook will appear after Baku. Fair so. enough. Comment of the week is... Comment of the week. Because Matt Trumpets normally gets to pick comment of the week and he always picks one that makes me look bad or bigs him up in some way, I'm going to go for Luminosity 871's comment. Spanners is a man with a plan. You'd better believe it. 
comment of the week. Joe, thank you so much for joining us in the shed. We hope we can get you back on soon. Uh, thanks for listening, you guys, the people who've come over uh, as Joe's readers to listen to us. Make sure you subscribe to Missed Apex Podcast on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. Don't rely on me to post social media things. Make sure that you subscribe so you get it every single week. Also, we'd love to have you come join us live. Find Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube and subscribe. That way, you'll get notifications when we go live. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support the show, we have two ways in which you can do this. A, tell everyone that Missed Apex Podcast adds to your Formula One fandom or two you can give us real money. If you support content creators on Patreon, then please consider supporting us. Go to MissedApexPodcast.com and click the Patreon tab on the menu. Joe, do you have a Patreon account as well? No. No, I went through all that phase a long time ago and decided that it was better just to earn money in the normal way um, by having subscriptions. And uh, if people want to buy quality, they can. If they don't want to buy quality, I give them a little bit on the blog and... Uh, um, it's up to them, you know. People, people have to uh, learn. Eventually, you have to pay for quality stuff. It's just way of the world, unfortunately. Uh, if you look at all the news sites in the world, they're all moving in that direction. We can't go on giving it away because we'll all go out of business. So we have to charge for it. And um, you're lucky at the moment that so much is given away. But if you want the good stuff, got to pay for it. Well, that is a sick burn, Joe. It's going to take a while to recover from that. We're still cheap old tat, so if you want to contribute to us, go to patreon.com and find Missed Apex Podcast. Hey, follow me personally at SpannersReady on Twitter. Make sure you email me at SpannersReady at gmail.com. I love getting your emails. Today, I think I've answered all of them, even though you know some of them have been quite hasty. Uh, but I do love hearing from you on email it feels a lot more personal when people do that instead of just yelling at you and atting you on twitter and saying you're wrong about all the things spanners well i know that i just don't have the time to think it through stay tuned to our timeline for wafflecast our race reviews tech time until we catch you again remember that wounds heal chicks dig scars and glory last forever this was inside f1 I was actually earlier on considering it becoming the first nude F1 uh, podcast because it's so bloody hot here. Unfortunately, <laughs> Tony Thunderbeast Barnard has beaten you to that oh, on really? our stream. I've told him explicitly he's not allowed to do it. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 